Hey guys, welcome back to Hear Our Voices. Thank you for coming for coming to part three. I hope you enjoyed the first two parts. The medical students will have much more questions and things like that in this part of the episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. Also, just get some housekeeping out the way. We go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We are most active on Twitter. And we try to give out job postings and things, resources that can help families. So if you're on those platforms, you can see us all the time. If you want to talk to me, you can follow me on my um, personal page or you can go on the thing and somebody from my team or myself can answer your back. It doesn't matter who answers you as long as you get the help you need. But I'll be, I love to talk to you guys if you like. Um, and thank you for listening. Sit back and relax. So. If you could change, if a person was listening and they're like a public official and you could change like one thing in the whole system other than empathy, right? Because people say you cannot teach that. It's not something you have to have, right? Um, what would it be? What would be that one thing you would like them to change about um, the whole system that you were in? Wow, that's a good question. I mean, it's a lot of things, um, but mainly the way they do things. Like the way the system is in general, you know, like um, it's a lot of things. It's it's just the system itself. It's really bad. Like you really have all all these people in the social system now that are coming out from their country or their place of of native and coming to the United States, and they're overcrowding the shelter system, which they should just find them wherever they are already as it is, find a place for them. You know, help them out to get their own place to not overcrowd the shelter. You know, have a limit. You know, if they've been there for years, you know, get them out. Find a place for them to have to say, look, this is mine or this is yours. You can have it. As long as you pay your rent, that's yours. You know, it's hard. It definitely is. So, guys, do you have any... I know you had questions that you would like to ask her about any... Because they're medical students, so they want to have more information to be able to help themselves and help their colleagues in the future to be better humans, <laughs> to be honest. Because honest, a lot of people who are in the shelter... In general, they have had backlash with doctors and things like that. Um, personally, I never had it, but they didn't know I was in a shelter. The key is get an address for somebody you know and get all your important mail. Go to that address. And when I did the times I did go to the hospital, they never knew that I lived in a shelter. They always had the address of my friend in Brooklyn. Probably that's not the way to go, but people treat you differently based on where you are and who you are and what background they think you're about sometimes. And I was not about that foolishness. So I just didn't um, make that be my problem. But Corey or Gabe, if anybody want to ask her the questions pertaining to what you think medical students would like to know more about. Sure. Um, so first of all, thank you so much, Lourdes, for sharing all of that. I really appreciate your honesty. And I think uh, I speak for Corey and I when I said we learned a lot from that. Um, I was just, I think generally something that we would both like to know more about is what do you think, since the two of us are currently in training to become physicians, what do you wish 
that um, healthcare professionals or healthcare students knew or understood about the experience of homelessness broadly or specific people um, experiencing homelessness as it relates to their health? Um, I honestly believe that the status shouldn't matter to help others because mm -hmm. that's another big thing that is going on because you're not a U.S. citizen or you're not part, quote unquote, part of the United States um, that they discriminate. And I think that status shouldn't matter to be taken care of or have, you know, for y'all, you know, health is a big issue. Whether it's mental health, whether it's um, any type of abuse, status shouldn't matter. I think, um, as she said, status shouldn't matter, no matter if, like, if you're from a different country or if you're homeless or something like that. I feel like, from what I understand, I've, I've never been a doctor or nothing, but it's supposed to be, I think, a Hippocratic Oath. I think that's what it's called. And that's something you vow. When I, when I hear that, I think of, you're supposed to be there for all people, no matter what color they are, no matter what background they are, no matter if they're homeless, no matter if they're this. Your job is to um, help and serve the community no matter where the person's background, you should be going there literally as an open, a, a, a slate. It should be clean, no matter where they come from. And they should just be helping without judging. Um, I know it's, you know, her interview, but I was homeless and I'm a part of it. I definitely want to put my two cents in about that situation. Um, a lot of people feel like people judge them when they go to the medical facilities and hospitals. And I think that shouldn't be done. You know, people shouldn't feel like they're going in for medical help and also getting judged at the same time. Because from what I understand with, you know, I could be wrong. They say your mindset could also be like a reason why your health is like, if you're in there, for example, for cancer and your mindset is not positive, not saying if you have a negative mindset, you're going to get worse, but your mood, you if you get depressed, certain things can affect the process and not make things go as smoothly as it could have if your mindset was better, you know? So um, I think if you can help the person be just, okay and be fine and you know, that everything's gonna be all right and I'm here to help you I think that'd be a great way for the um doctors and homeless people in general to be much better so yeah sorry Corey can I add can I add something yes I've been through uh different hospitals and I've seen people that are actually ill that something's broken or they're bleeding and I've also seen people who are addicts. And I've seen that some of the doctors in the hospitals, like, don't show too much care to those people who are addicts. And I don't think it's right either. Like I, like I said earlier, the status shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're from your background, not a uh, native background, but it also shouldn't matter if you're a drug addict or if you're an alcoholic or whatever else it is. You know, it shouldn't matter. I believe that they should get taken care of also. You know, I guess that's where my empathy comes in. You know, I see different side of people and I think that everything should be in one pack. You know, if you're gonna be a doctor or in the medical field, you need to show that you're, you know, that you care for everybody else, not only yourself. I'm assuming that's the reason why you want to become a doctor. 
you know, so I believe that everybody should be treated equally, no matter if your background status or because you're an addict of some sort. Corey, I know you wanted to step in. Sure thing. So thanks again, just to echo Gabe for sharing everything so honestly. Um, and fully agree with everything that, you know, all of you have said so far. So kind of to kind of like hop onto Gabe's question a little bit and to kind of pull from what Kadisha asked you before about, you know, if you could change one thing about public health officials, public health professionals and things like that. I know you talked a lot about the empathy, you know, not treating everyone equally because of the stigma associated with addiction and things like that. If there was one thing you could change about uh, the way healthcare professionals operated with respect to homeless populations, uh, is there something, is there one thing that you would have in mind? Would it be that empathy? Would there be something else that you would kind of add on to that? Um, right now, from the top of my head, no. I think it basically goes back to showing that they care, the empathy. Um, I know even though not a lot of people, that is within, not something that it's learned. You have it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. But I believe that it's, it works hand in hand. You know, I think that you should have, there should be more bilingual people, not only Hispanic that speaks English or um, Asian people or Oriental, whatever it is. Whatever do they speak, I think they should have a little bit of everything, of every culture to speak, just in case that somebody comes along the line that really can't speak the English language, to have that. Wouldn't it have to be also that a person of those backgrounds would have to be medical savvy? Because like example, if I could speak Spanish, but when the doctor's telling me words, if I don't know how to explain it properly to a person, they would have to be able to be, you know, to understand what the doctor's saying, but to also translate it. So it's like, we need to get people in those fields who can understand doctor speak, but also give it to a person who's in layman's terms. Because honestly, some things what doctors say now, I'm like, okay, can you speak, just dumb it down a little bit. Like, for example, this is a, this is a side story. Um, I took my medical blood work last year and they gave you know the regular checkup stuff blah 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 and I thought I was first of all I have anxiety so let's start off with that so I I'm reading everything I'm like oh my god everything is high and da, 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 da. mind you I'm, I'm just reading the chart I'm not the doctor didn't tell me nothing yet they didn't tell me if everything is okay nothing like my doctor's actually awfully so the, another doctor had to actually pick up her spot to give me the uh, email saying everything is okay I am think I'm dying of diabetes here I think I'm mind you my whole family at this point probably have it, the adults. So I'm probably, I'm honestly very used to it, but it's like, it's happening to me, so I'm very dramatic. Um, if you don't know, I'm also a theater student. I used to be, so there you go. And um, so if I had a person who was there reading the chart with me, even though I could speak English, it's just somebody to kind of tell you what's going on, making sure you understand all the details. Because to me, all the numbers seem like it was high. But I'm just like, you're, you're perfectly fine. So it's just like, it's a person to kind of come for you and to tell you the information. And I feel like those, those my charts and all these things, they need to, before they send out information, they need to tell, tell you positive or negative or good or bad. It shouldn't just be just giving out me numbers. And if you don't know the medical field, you're not gonna understand a word that is saying, you're gonna get yourself anxious, especially a person like me for no apparent reason. And I feel like 
doctors need better bed manner. Because when I was younger, I was not afraid of doctors. When I got older, I am. Um, because of a bad incident and I thought I almost died. But that's a different story too. So I feel like um doctors really need to have better bedside manner and um just just nicer. I don't know what it is. I had a, n- a nice doctor. She was so kind. She even gave me a hug. She was so nice. Um, she left. Um, she's my doctor. She's amazing. Like I'll be crying. And she's like, it's okay, Khadija, it's fine. So I feel like if I could prototype her as a doctor for everybody who's a doctor out there, I would definitely do because she's amazing. Like she would take time, and most doctors don't have time, but she makes sure. Like she knows an appointment. She makes sure she comes and she talks to me. She sits down. She holds my hand. Probably is just you might think that's too much. But um, if you really love your job, you love the patients that you're having, and you're going to make sure they're okay and not setting up their blood pressure for no reason, I feel like you need to be more caring. That's what we're asking for. We're like, when you, like, example, if you go to the doctor for somebody else and you're there, like, okay, they have diabetes. But when it's for you and you're the person in that shoe, it can be very overwhelming. And I feel like people sometimes forget that um, there's a person they're speaking to because they do the same thing every day. It doesn't bother them because it's like, I see blood, I see a person die and a regular person who's not in that feel like, oh my gosh, I see blood, something must be wrong, let's help. And the doctor's like, okay, put a bandaid on it, you're fine. So I feel like, I don't know if you could learn that skill. I could just tell you that's the skill I think you should have, but just more, be more caring. Um, I don't know. I'm sorry, I rambled a lot, but yes. <laughs> So um, what's the other questions that you have for Lourdes? I'm kind of taking it over. Sorry, guys. But um, what other questions do you guys have? I think one other thing, and no worries, all of your input is very, very interesting and helpful, Kadisha. Uh, to kind of take it in a slightly different direction, I know we've talked about uh, a little bit about mental health, healthcare in general, um, and about kind of like the stigma in healthcare associated with addiction and things of that sort. Um, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about any experience with nutrition and food security and things like that, if those are things that you're comfortable talking about. That's something that at least for medical students, we talk about a lot as you know, nutrition can affect your health. And as a result, it affects the way that you know, people are brought into the hospital and things of that sort. So I was just wondering if you had anything to share with us about nutrition, food, and things like that. I can speak for experience. Um, with my son, like I said earlier, he has ADHD and he could be a compulsive impulsive when he chooses to, that depends, it's a trigger with him it's a trigger. However, I was told, uh, back then in 2015, when he was first diagnosed um, with ADHD, that it could be a certain food that he eats. Um, with him, I have to keep away from like the bags, anything like um like red juice, like the um Hawaiian punch. I have to keep away from that because that has a lot of sugar. Um, that's like that was like a trigger happy thing for him. Candy is another trigger happy thing for him. Um, so depending on the food that I gave him, it would like give give him a super boost of hyperness. Um, so I had to literally, like, at one point I will have to, I will buy him food outside. And then I was like, wait, what am I doing? So I had to handpick a certain food that I would give him. And like, it did calm down. I got off like the, like the real concentrated, um, sugar things. 
So that kind of calmed him down a little bit. But um, then again, he's also on medication. So that was like another thing. Um, but now it's like, now that he's getting older, he's kind of, I could give him certain things like red juices, like I, um, Hawaiian punch, and it won't give him that much of a high boost of hyperness. So it like, the food is a big, big, big factor. And that's one thing I do agree on you guys, with you guys. Um, it just has, it has to be less concentrated on the sugar. Even with me, even as, you know, I'm a little overweight um, and I do skip few meals. So that's another thing for me. You know, um, I try getting my breakfast in every once when I can, because sometimes I do skip it. And that's not a good thing. But nutrition is a big factor. Having the right foods in your system is a big factor. I could honestly say, um, probably we'll have this down below. They have a lot of soup kitchens in New York City. They have um, people who give out food and things like that. But I know the shelters I were in, I was in. I'm gonna go through, I'm gonna go through all of them to be honest. Um, the first one I was in, they didn't give any food at all. So, but they did, you did have a kitchen. So you have to buy your own food. So. If you weren't working, most times we'd have food stamps, but if you didn't have, if you were undocumented, if you was a family shelter, you would get food stamps for your kids, but not for yourself, which to me is ridiculous in a way. I'm just, that's a different story right there. The second shelter I was in, I was in the Bronx. They also didn't give food, but they, you also had a stove. So if you, most times buying vegetables and buying healthy stuff is more expensive than buying normal food. Um, so a lot of times you do get more things was not as healthy for you. And sometimes even if the, nowadays, even regular fruits, they spoil. So you have it one minute and it's spoiled like bananas. I buy it one day, next day it's gone. I'm like, I'm a bit confused. So sometimes, sometimes they, they don't stay as long as you would like to, like back in the days. I don't know what's going on with these things that they're making nowadays, but, or growing nowadays, it's just weird. Um, the shots I was in next, they only gave me, they had food, but only certain times a day. And I, it was because I worked in Manhattan and my daughter went to school in daycare in Brooklyn and I lived in the Bronx. I would never come back on time to get food from them, but I'm pretty sure I probably wouldn't have liked it, but I like to like pick and you know, whatever they might have had. They gave out baby food, which was a plus for me because baby food can get kind of pricey. And um, at the time my daughter was pretty young, you know, she's a baby. so. Um, having the baby food was great. Most shelters, I feel like, don't give out baby food, to be honest. Um, the last shelter I was in, which was landing, they gave out microwavable food. But honestly, most times, it's not the healthiest food to have. Um, nutrition really can affect um, you a lot. And um, it was, you know, microwavable foods. It's what do you think is going to happen in there? Most times, I didn't buy food from there. I didn't take, I mean, I buy. Most times, I didn't eat food in that because I don't like it. They don't have taste. I'm used to a lot of flavors and, you know, not just salt and pepper. I guess I'm, used to, I'm Jamaican. We eat a lot of, you know, stuff, spices. Not only really spices, like that's what they call, you know, the seasonings. But you know, people. Anyway, so I feel like nutritionally, unless you buy it yourself and you're cooking it yourself, but if you're in a shelter, like I was in the last one for a year, and they don't have a stove, you cannot make your own food. 
So you can be very nutritionally unbalanced. Thank God I was healthy, nevertheless, overweight, but healthy. <laughs> um, but it's not good for your joints after a while, but you know, there you go. But I feel like they don't give you a lot of healthy options in shelters. Apparently some shelters got better. So it's also depend on, if you don't know anything about the shelters in New York City, each shelter has um, different people owning it. Like I was in a camper shelter, different people own the shelter. So it's like private, like path to send you to these places are kind of privately owned, but it's through DHS. Like, you know, it's, it's supposed to be done by the city, getting their funding by the city, all the stuff. But different shelters run differently because different people own the shelter or over the shelter. So you can get different things based on who's in charge of it. If you get a person who's in charge who loves their job, wants to really help people, your shelter will run better. People will get out faster. You'll have more things for families to do and things like that. If you're in a shelter where people don't care as much, things won't get done as fast. Um, people are lazier. Um, just the environment is not as great. So it all depends on where you are located. And um, yeah, so that's what a lot of things are based on in the shelter system in New York City. I don't know about other states, I'm just saying New York, because that's what we're based at and that's what we have the most information about. So yeah, hopefully that answered your question, guys. <laughs> it definitely did. Thank you so much for that contribution. It's really interesting to hear from you. So definitely answered it, thank you. Do you have anything else to ask, Lourdes? Okay. Uh -huh. I, I, nothing comes to mind. I think we've really learned a lot from the both of you today. I really appreciate how you've been able to answer these questions. So, well. no so Lourdes, do you have any last words that you would like to tell people about going to shelter? Before we even get to the ending, um, where are you now? What, what is your life like now? Um, what's your aspirations for the future on housing and things like that? Well, since 2018, I ended up having my own apartment. I ended up going, doing some lottery thing that I didn't even know uh, it was even possible. I just went into the internet and went through the some lottery stuff, which it was weird because I don't even remember from the top of Miami doing it. But right now I'm in my own apartment, thank God. Um, have, just to let you know, I have three kids, but two of them are with me. Um, I am having my now going to be four-year-old child. Um, she was born in the actual building. Everybody knows her, everybody loves her. Um, for futurely, I am on the verge of moving out of New York, but um, I also end up getting Section 8 through this whole process. So I am fortunate to be one of those lucky few people who um, have Section 8, and my voucher is actually movable. I could go anywhere in the world, and I still have my Section 8. Um, just to uh, let everybody know that we, you are not alone in all this process. There are people out in this world who are willing to work with you and help you. And I am one of those people. 
that is willing to help others and you know let them know that they're not alone especially in my spanish speaking community that's good to hear so guys i'm gonna do some other you know stuff so as you might know before i used to be the only person on instagram and all the other social media networks i'm not the only person anymore working on it i do have a team that helps me go through it i'm not i'm on instagram but not as often as i used to be but i do get notifications on instagram so if you want to talk to me directly all the time you can put my name in there if you're not sure who you're talking to or you can go to actually my um, Instagram and talk to me there and say you're from the podcast. It doesn't really matter. But anybody who's going to be on there, they have no problem helping you or giving you information. We're going to have, um, by the time you see this, I think this is actually going to go out after the, the panel, to be honest. So, guys, sorry about that in the beginning. Um, and um, we're going to have a resource packet coming out. We're going to be updating it and making sure, as you know, if you go to like Canva and these places, they give you these packets. And the resources are not up to date. So we're making sure the um, stuff we're giving in our resource packet is up to date and be able to help you guys and to really make a difference in your life and not just something you're calling in like numbers are disconnected or they're not working with this anymore and things like that. So we're making sure we have that together. Um, if you want to talk anytime, we're here to talk to you. So don't feel shy. Don't feel any way about it. We're here to tell you more about PATH. I know things are always changing in the system all the time. And long we know about the change and we heard about it from the grapevine, we'll definitely tell you about it and give you updates about it because we don't want people to be lost no matter what background you come from. And keep your head up. You're not the only person going through it as you might know and see and hear. Um, and we're, the hell, we're here to help you. And I hope that um, one day you can speak about your story and it can help somebody else. So thank you guys for being amazing. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being here and talk to you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to Hear Our Voices.